Hello, and welcome to an episode of Arrow, Chapter and Verse. This is Season 2, Episode 13 of Supergirl. Mr. and Mix- Mrs. Mixius Pitlick. Uh, this episode is going to be less fraught than the last episode, um, because there's not, uh, I don't know, there's not a hot-button issue that I kind of shied away from presenting my viewpoint on. <laughs> there we go. Um, so... Mr. and Mrs. Mixie, Mixie's Pitlick. Mixie, he likes to call himself Mixie, is essentially every dude who won't leave a woman alone, right? He thinks he's best for her. He thinks they should get married, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and because he's Mixie's Pitlick, he does all this uh, crazy stuff to impress her, fills her apartment full of roses, etc., etc., etc. All this, all this stuff. That he does. Um, so there are, uh, as usual, a few few plots happening here. Let's talk about the uh, there's the Win plot, there's the Alex plot, uh, and there's the Monel Supergirl Mixes Pitlick plot. Right, Monel is in the apartment, of course, when Mixes Pitlick makes his appearance, and I'm just going to call him Mixie. Trying to say Mixie's Pitlick every time is probably just going to result in a bunch of... So I'm not going to do that. Um, He's super jealous and super, like, he's just, he is just dumb about it. Like, I, I can understand, but it's also rooted in sort of a, a mistrust of Supergirl, which is something that doesn't get addressed, really, right? Monel is the dumb, jealous boyfriend, you know, not officially boyfriend because they haven't actually started dating yet. But Monel is jealous of Mixia's Pitlick because he can give Supergirl anything, right? He can give Supergirl anything with a snap of his fingers. And Monel can't. Supergirl has already come out and said, hey, I like you in despite of all of the stuff that I've said or done or all the propaganda that I've had foisted upon me as a Kryptonian, you being a Dex, I, I like you, I'm interested in you. And he assumes that the minute somebody shows up and says, I can give you everything. Uh, sorry, that was a finger snap there. That might be a little bit too loud. Uh, that she is going to go, oh, forget you guy whom I like. I'm going to go with this guy who has decided to give me everything. Um, we're going to skip uh, would polyamory have solved it this time because, uh, wow, is Mixia's Pitlick uh, super toxic. Um, but Monel is obviously being toxic as well. And I, I think he gets a pass here. I, uh, I have a Facebook friend, um, I, I posted on, well, in response, somebody posted a, a Lena Luther gif in response to something, and there was a bit of a discussion about it, and, uh, she posted, uh, Kara slash Lena forever, and my response was, I would like that relationship, but I'm in season two, and they've got her with goddamn Monel. I don't like Monel. Uh, Mixie's Pitlick calls him something like super bland, I think, and he's not wrong. He's a crazy man who won't take no for an answer from someone who hasn't met him, but he is not wrong. Monel is like he's just 
Hi, I'm a bro who showed up on this planet who has basically the same origin story as you and your cousin, except I'm from Daxum, and I've got some of your powers, but not all of them, and my personality is that I like you, and I'm fighting crime because of you. We have seen him been, we've seen him be somewhat heroic every now and again, but, like, even... Even Wynn and Jimmy, who are not, like, they're, they've got personalities, right? They're not written especially well, but they've got, okay, I'm, the, the writing's, the writing's okay. It's good, it, it's good enough for the show. I'm sorry everybody on the writing staff of Supergirl. I know you're, I know you're doing your best. I know it. I hope you're doing your best. Most of the time, you're, well, you're trying. I, I just, like... I've said I said it before. These shows are comfort food. They're 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 junk food. They they're not, and they know this, and they're not aspiring usually to be much else. But um, Wynn and Jimmy have actual personalities. Monel doesn't. Uh, so he gets jealous. There's a bunch of stuff. Mixes Pitlick sends Monel. DEO headquarters in uh, a tank top and well an undershirt tank top and boxers which is slightly embarrassing but he's still fully clothed I guess and then Supergirl comes back to the DEO and it's like yeah and we're dealing with uh, a guy from the fifth dimension and apparently the Daxamites have dealt with him and they usually just killed them and the Martians have dealt with him and Supergirl's like I'm not sure how to deal with this and John is like, well, we've got some old artifacts that we've got down in the DEO basement that they haven't, I guess, done anything with. I mean, they're just sort of stored down there. So we'll we'll see them uh, in a minute. Uh, now we get a bunch of stuff about how everybody dislikes Valentine's Day, but I'm actually going to do the thing where I'm going to focus on this plot first, and then we're going to go back and we're going to take a look at the Alex plot and the Wynn plot, because honestly, they don't affect the main plot that much. Um... Okay, so Supergirl goes back to her apartment, uh, and it's filled with roses because it's Valentine's Day. Uh, Monel comes by and is he is very angry about this. His jealousy is triggered by this, and then they see uh, down below the the parasite is going on a rampage, and. Supergirl shows up and says, Parasite, I thought you were dead. And he says, you are. And they fight, 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 fight. Uh, she blasts him with her heat vision, which is a pretty decent idea. Um, he slams her into a car. Monel shows up, says, remember me. And the Parasite does because he does the same thing he did last time, grabs Monel by the throat, and instead of draining him, throws him through a bus stop uh, overhang area. You know, those little rest stops that have the usually the metal... Uh, that supporting the plastic windows and they've got a little roof on them. So if it's raining, you can stand under them. Right. So Monel just as effective against Parasite this time as he was last time. And then all of a sudden we see a contrail up in the sky. That is to be clear, a contrail, not, not in case anyone who's listening thinks he's a real, a chemtrail. Ugh. Uh, and we are, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, and uh, someone swoops down, carries the parasite away, 
we see flames for some reason licking towards what appear to be some sort of oil tanker. Uh, this person dressed as Superman blows a super breath. Kara blows a super breath. And of course, it's Mixes Pitlick with a big M on his chest. And uh, Monel comes up and starts yelling at him. And Kara is, of course, well, sure, uh, what's going on? And uh, Monel is like, you can't create. This is what he does. He causes havoc and then stops it to impress you and mix his pit like is like, what's wrong with that? So he has created a terrible problem, uh, caused at least some property damage and probably hurt a couple of people in the process in order to prove to Kara that he loves her and is good for her and whatnot. Uh, and he and Manel yell at each other for a while and then it breaks up and Monel goes to the DEO talking to people among whom is Wynn. Uh, I, I will say that he and Kara have a fight about Mixie's Pitlick because she, she does tell him to blow off first so she can talk to Mixie's Pitlick and he gets super jealous about that. Like you want some time alone with your stalker and it's like, no, that's not, what she wants and they have a fight about it because he is being a jackass i mean he's being a complete jackass um and he does one of these things where he's like yeah i'm supposed to protect you and she goes i don't need protection i don't need you to rescue me i am supergirl and i am gonna handle this which is great he doesn't hear that also monel buddy your power suite is not as complete as hers and i think even with the powers you have the super speed, which you showed, you are not as fast as her. I don't think you're as strong as her. You certainly can't fly. You don't have the super breath. You don't have the supervision. It, it's the heat vision. Just, buddy, if anyone's doing the protecting, it's going to be her. Uh, we'll get to that later on. So he goes to talk to Wynn, who is looking at the cool alien devices, and Wynn gives him a MacGuffin that essentially cuts off Mixie's Pitlick from the fifth dimension. So, after Monel steals this, because Wynn is called away, leaving the, the crate open, and Monel takes the thing, he goes and challenges Mixius Pitlick to a duel. Mixius Pitlick, who is apparently up on the, the Broadway hotness, pops the two of them into a magnificent theater. They're both dressed as though they're from the 18th century. And it's it's Hamilton. He's brought them to a Hamilton set. I I don't I don't know why. Um, so he says, okay, pistols at dawn. They pull out pistols. I assume this is going to go poorly for Monel because he's allergic to lead. Uh, it eventually does, but not before he shoots Mixie's Pitlick. Mixie's Pitlick is like, ha! Did you think I was an idiot and would give you a gun that could kill me? No, obviously I did not do that. And uh, he hits Monel, and then Monel stands up and clicks the gimcrack on. It blocks Mixie's Pitlick from the fifth dimension. They hit each other a few times. Mixie's Pitlick apparently still has super strength, right? Because he's punching Monel around like it's nothing, and Monel's punching him around, and they tackle and they fight. Mixie's Pitlick rests control of this device from Monel. That's not true. He just steals it from him. It's one of those. It's one of those sleight-of-hand things that anybody who needs to in a TV show or movie can do, but I assume is actually more difficult in real life, uh, and then crushes it in front of him, 
And then all of a sudden, Monel is hanging from the ceiling, tied in ropes and chains, and Mixie's Pitlick is about to shoot him with a lead bullet when Supergirl shows up and says, no, don't do this, I'll marry you. I've thought about it. You're really the one for me. This makes a lot of sense. I'll meet you at the Fortress of Solitude at noon tomorrow. She and Monel have another fight. She's like, it's not just your jealousy. It's your overwhelming male ego. It's your uh, condescension. Uh, it's your pigheadedness. It's all of this stuff. And I am going to marry Mixie's Pitlick. And he's like really upset by this. So then she shows up at the Fortress of Solitude. Well, I hang on. Go back uh, a little bit. Uh, before in the fight with uh, Parasite, Monel reveals that the way to get Mixie's Pitlick to leave is to get him to say his name, Clippets him uh, backwards. So Clippets him, basically. Um, I will say that that was the rule, and that was the whole thing about like 50s and 60s Superman, was him finding different ways to get Mixie's Pitlick to say his name out loud uh, backwards. Uh, that changed in, I think, the 80s or 90s, where or maybe the, even the early aughts where it is it was like hi i'm mixes pitlick great the first time you got me to say my name backwards now it's something different every time i show up uh but this time it's just the name backwards right so supergirl and mixes pitlick are at the uh um fortress of solitude She's drinking orange juice, which is only important because mixes pitlick said it's one of the things he can't do uh he's basically got sort of genie from Aladdinish rules. He can't make her drink orange juice. He can't prevent her from killing herself. He can't make her fall in love with him. Most of the other stuff is fair game. So, you know, I, I guess he could wish someone dead if he wanted to. Um, so she then goes, well, I'm not going to get married to you. And I'm, I thought you'd come here because I wanted to minimize the damage. And he's like, all right, I'm going to make the ice statue of your uncle Start punching. Uh, uh, Supergirl versus an ice statue. Who do you think is going to win? Um, I, I feel a little bit upset for Superman because that was his dad, and his dad was holding up Krypton, uh, and his mom was also holding up half a Krypton. So, I mean, you know, literally holding up half the sky there. So let's remember that. Um, so then Supergirl says, all right, uh, you know what else I'm going to do? Because Mixie's Pitlick is like, I'll crack this planet in half. And she's like, all right, so let me just seal the fortress. Not sure why Mixie's Pitlick can't get out if he can just sort of detour into the fifth dimension and then take off. Uh, and then she sets off the fusion reactor under the fortune, uh, Fortress of Solitude so that that's going to blow up with her in it. So he cannot stop her from killing herself, and she's expressed the intention to do that rather than marry him, Right. So, a little dark here, sorry, should have had a content slash trigger warning uh, for any of those of you who find themes of suicide to be triggering. It's treated lightly here, but it's a serious subject, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, don't, you can skip this bit. Uh, so, she's threatening to do that. Uh, he is begging her to stop, begging her. Uh, for the the code that will stop this all. Uh, and he says he'll do anything. He'll give her world peace if only she'll stop this foolishness. And she says, fine. And she directs... Uh, well, first of all, she reveals a code, and there was a cute bit where uh, he creates a Kryptonian dictionary out of thin air and then says, I don't have time to learn your moon language, which is how I felt about Gaelic, even though uh, I do have a degree in Irish studies. 
and I spent a semester on it. Gaelic is, look, the people who transliterated Gaelic uh, from Ogham into the uh, alphabet that we all currently use, um, they were not super happy with native English speakers. Like that, that wasn't like a thing. Like they didn't, they didn't do it in such a way as to make Gaelic um, intuitive for someone who has grown up speaking English. Uh, anyway, I guess crypto Kryptonian's the same way for someone who's grown up speaking Mixius Pitlickian, although I'm not sure if he can speak English immediately, why he can't just speak into Kryptonian immediately, but he can't, and it's good for everybody on Supergirl's Earth that he does not, because she directs him to type out the code the code appears on a hovered screen, like a you know, it's just a, it's a holographic screen, you know, projected above the keyboard, and the Kryptonian letters appear, and they all twirl around a little bit, and they spell out Klippitzim, and then uh, Kara says, well, you know, on some planets, writing something is the most real way to say something. And Mixie's Pitlick is like, you cheated, and she's like, no, I used the rules. Oh, and he calls her a nasty woman, so there was that. Um, that, that's what I mean if you listen to the last episode, what I mean about how Supergirl will throw that in there, right? So that's a, that is an overt political reference, and it's usually done in a couple of lines of dialogue and not an entire show. Um, so, uh, although one could argue again that the theme of this entire show with Mixes Pitlick is, uh, it's not, though, it's just something that women have to deal with turned up to the nth power, which is a lot of what Kara has to face on this show, and I'm kind of fine with that. Um, so, uh, he disappears, that's all good, Kara, Monel comes back over to the apartment, Kara says that in that last argument they had where she says they weren't meant to be together because of Monel being like a big jerk, that she was lying, so he would leave her alone, so she could protect him, so he wouldn't try to show up at the Fortress of Solitude, I guess, which he can't get to because he can't fly, uh, or try to stop her or do something stupid like going after Mixie's Pitlick again, I guess. She was protecting him, right? Uh, and also, just in case Mixie's Pitlick was uh, listening, so he would hear Kara's lies. And then uh, we do some making out and a fade to black, so now I guess they're an item. Fantastic. Uh, let's talk about the win subplot. <clears throat> uh, the win subplot really short. He is at uh, the alien bar. Uh, the uh, cantina scene from Star Wars happens. Um, I'm like, he orders a drink. Somebody comes up and says that's a dumb drink. In uh, Alien, the alien's bigger friend then tells Wynn that the other, the first dude said it was a dumb drink. Wynn offers to buy them drinks and they're about to mess him up when uh, an attractive lady alien starts beating up on these other two aliens. Wynn and the attractive lady alien have a conversation. Uh, her name is Lyra? Let me make sure that that's right. I am right. Her name is Lyra. Lyra Strayed. Great. Uh, she says she's from a particular place, Starhaven. Uh, he says, oh, it's on my bucket list. It smells like cinnamon. She implies, uh, well, she says that it no longer does and implies that something fairly bad happened to Starhaven. Uh, we don't get any more information about that. Um, uh, what we do get is that when translated, I guess, some of what appears to be their holy text, 
uh, and she decides that uh, she wants to have dinner with him. She, she, in fact, says, have dinner with me tonight. And tonight is Valentine's Day, which Wynne doesn't like because, as we all know, nerds have no relationships, right? If you're a nerd, especially a male nerd, especially a male IT guy, you don't have any relationships. This is a fact. We all know it's true. We really need to stop. We really need to stop hitting that stereotype. I mean, he's obviously going to get into a relationship, but it's fine. But we really need to stop hitting the, you're a nerd, you're unlucky in love, you've been beat up a bunch of times. Because guess what? Everybody's unlucky in love. Everybody's been beat up a bunch of times. We just see, a lot of the entertainment we see uh, sort of reinforces that if you are a nerd, especially a male nerd, and it leads to a bunch of nasty, toxic stuff that doesn't have to be here. So let's... Um, something I've been saying about all these shows, let's show people in healthy relationships for a change. Uh, let's, let's do that. And you know what? Let's show not conventionally attractive people in healthy, loving relationships. How about that for a change? I know you won't, Hollywood. I know what you are, but try. Okay. Sorry. So, uh, Wynn says, of course, great. He meets uh, Lyra later later that night. He's 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 got a little jacket on. Um, he says he's got reservations somewhere, and it was a big deal because it's Valentine's Day. And Lyra just does one of those kisses where she kisses him and then bites his lip a little bit. And he goes, "Okay, that's good too." And then they start like the implication is that they might have done it in the bar with everyone watching. I'm not sure, but that's like uh, that things happen. Then. Uh, we see him at what looks like maybe a slightly upscale diner. I don't know. It's the the booths. The booths look dinerish. Um, and Lyra shows up, and she says, "I didn't think you'd call. I thought it was a one-time thing." That she thought she was an alien experiment. That he was experimenting with aliens. And when proceeds to go, no, no, that's not that's not what this is. I mean, in fact, this could be something really great and wonderful and challenging and I'm saying too much I'm too many emotions and Lyra uh is apparently very gratified to hear this and says all right let's go back to your place and he says yes ma'am uh so that is the end of the win plot line he gets uh an attractive alien girlfriend hopefully that relationship will be healthy and we can see it be healthy and we can see I don't know. We could see her probably become a vigilante and because she seems stronger than the average bear. Uh, and and maybe, like, they can work it out. Like, I, I'm trying to think of healthy, like, vigilante, vigilante relationships, and there, there, there aren't that many. There's, like, you know, for a while, like, Liberty Bell and Johnny Quick uh, from the old All-Star Squadron and the Hawks, depending on when they're being written, are sometimes a healthy relationship and other times way not. But I'm over 23 minutes and I haven't talked about the Alex plotline, which is actually probably the best written plotline on this episode. Alex has been to Valentine's Day. She is talking to Maggie about Valentine's Day. Maggie says that she hates Valentine's Day. Alex goes to, to Kara for advice. Kara says, what is Maggie like? Alex comes up with guns, tiramisu, bonsai trees, and scotch. So 
Maggie comes over to Alex's place. There's some candles lit. The lights are down low. Uh, Alex has a whole tiramisu, a bonsai tree, and a bottle of scotch, and a note that says just getting ready, and then she comes out in um, family TV-appropriate lingerie, which is basically like one of those silk robes and like a silk nightie that is, you know, not super... It's, anyway, it's appropriate for family TV is what I'm saying. And then Maggie is like, has turned on the lights and is furious. And Alex is like, what's wrong? And Maggie's like, I told you I hated Valentine's Day and I hate not being hurt. And this is the part that gets good because unlike every other secret ever, this does not become a season long plot line where revealing it is going to break them up. Maggie reveals the true story of Valentine's Day and her coming out to her parents she liked a girl. They were 14. Girl didn't like her back as far as we know. She gave girl a Valentine's Day card. Girl gave her parents a Valentine's Day card. Her parents called Maggie's parents. Maggie's dad kicked her out and she had to live with an aunt for the next three years, right? So not what she said. She told a lie when she said her, her parents uh, really, you know, like were there for her, for her coming out. Uh, Alex says why. Maggie says, I don't want to scare you. But here's what happened. Maggie was in a huff and she was going to leave. And Alex said, no, we're in a relationship. We need to talk this out. And they actually did, right? They talked about it. They talked about it. And like Alex heard Maggie. And although this is a little bit, this was a little bit not great. Like Kara calls Maggie and is like, hey, um, Alex really wanted to do something special for you because you're the woman she loves and, or cares about, and she wanted to be with you on a special day. I know you don't like uh, Valentine's Day, but maybe you should consider making some changes. That's a little much. It's a little quick. It's a little heavy to ask somebody who's got that kind of trauma associated with the holiday to just be like, hey, uh, go for it. But then Maggie rents out a place, gets Alex a nice red dress, like it's super, super stylish, super cool dress, uh, gets her to show up and then has an impromptu Valentine's Day prom so that Alex can experience the pageantry of that because she never had that before and it's something like it's a healing experience for both of them. And again, with... No, it was definitely the best written plot line on this episode um, and with a couple, of, a couple of exceptions, I thought it was very well, well written and that's the part I enjoyed. And God help me! If either one of them dies, because I'm going to super pissed about Kill the Gays, and also I really just want them to have a good relationship. All right. Uh, so that's 27 minutes for this episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse, talking about an episode of Supergirl. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a nice day, and I'll see you next time.